You're listening to Coleman Power on the Organic Fitness Podcast. All right, yes, we most certainly have the next of the events with myself. Classic retreat down on the 19th of May. Three days, two nights, fun food activities, sea swims, saunas, grounding, yoga, personal development coaches from the a.m. to the p.m. People who have went most certainly before are part of a group and a community. And now, if you want to go, send me a DM. We are building this from the ground up straight away. If you've been there before, you will most certainly get LA discounts. If it's your first time going, just look forward to this one because if you heard about the feedback, Oh, it's good. If you've been to it before, you know the gallivanting in between. Okay, so that's the 19th of May. In on top of that, there is an Organic Fitness Day down near Dunmanway, also in Cork, Double Cork Events. And, or that will be at the Cork Mallow Show. Maybe down on Cork a nice bit. But nonetheless, yeah, one of the next two. And the second one is on the 4th of June, Bank Holiday Weekend. Get in and get on it. All right? DM for the bookends. Talk soon. Godspeed. And listen up for today's podcast all right welcome to the latest episode of the coleman power organic fitness podcast this one is a classic it's a solo show yes and most certainly we will be talking all about organic foods giy growing your own over coleman then you can grow so these are just questions from people that most certainly i am mentoring and coaching and are involved in a private group and most certainly the topics covered here are the following. Compost, the topics of what do I recommend, the tumblers, what's the best system, anything to add into it. That comes from Chris Sorensen. Yes, my good man, Chris. Topping that one off and going on to the likes of, next question in from Sarah, most certainly based down in Cork. We have fruit trees, recommendations, size, pruning, and planting tips below. So then we go on to the likes of berry bushes, red currants. Yes, what I do recommend. And in on top of that, again, are there any ways of controlling weeds around the rooting bushes? So next one we have in from Mark and from Nace. We have the tips for growing tomatoes up a string line. Mm, we haven't done it. We're talking all about it. And we have the likes of, okay, Audrey Burrows down in Cork. We have, do you need a heated mat to grow melon seeds? But those are today's questions. We're going to do this classic podcast in about 30 minutes. So, because the sun is absolutely melting out there. And I have absolute major, I'm going to say FOMO, for getting outside as soon as I possibly can. So, we'll bring the mic in a tiny bit closer so you can hear me loud and clear. Roger that, Roger. So, straight away, Chris, all the way from the California, talking about compost. What do I recommend? Whatever country you're currently in, I'm going to tell you about the compost one, the compost that I do think is number one. Okay, It's not the tumblers, that's for sure, because they're too small, and I'm going to recommend you something that is the gold standard. It's called a New Zealand box scheme. So what it is in a nutshell, Okay. There's also videos on this on my YouTube channel. You check it out, New Zealand Box Setup. It's set up in a basic way. We'll set up for likes of anybody who can get their hands on pallets. 
one pallet, two pallet, three pallets. It's a simple base system, okay? That in that, you must put down the likes of your straw, your brown material first, okay? Or cardboard straw is even better because it's something that typically is in underneath animals and it might be urine, which again would have most certainly some nutrients that would be going into and back out into your plot. So start off with your brown material that absorbs some of the moisture that other material that we're going to be later in applying it will be soaked up with. So straw in first, let's say, in your pallets, one, two, three, little house. And then the advantage of putting your brown material, following that you put green, such a fresh cut materials, such as what I'm going to say, your classic cabbage leaves that are typically outer ones we're not eating. Maybe the kale that's finished and bolted, all that kind of woody material. And again, what you're doing is you're tearing that up and putting it into a smaller little pieces so that what those beneficial microorganisms can break down that material at a faster rate. So that is the green material. You can also put in, we'll just like an example of the tops of the leeks that you don't typically eat, but you can put them into stir fries. My God, the best of the antioxidants are found in the darker the color food item and the kale, the leek typically having that at the top end of it. Most people are throwing it goddamn compost. Use every single piece of it. Leeks are a no-brainer. So other things that people don't typically eat are the likes of potato skins. Those can all be placed in the likes of your compost. And most certainly, that is your green material. But the key thing and step is next. Okay, How many of us mow the lawn? Cut the grass. Collect it. Put it in a big pile somewhere. Who here has touched and put their hand over it and felt the heat? Yes, that is what you're looking for. With that fresh green material, you need to add in this key ingredient that helps speed up the process of the breaking down of the material to make it into usable compost for yourself. So green grass clippings going in there. So we put the brown layer first, then we're putting the green, such as the living materials that haven't been broken down, literally we tore, tore them up, and your grass clippings mixed in throughout that. Then we're going again with maybe some farmyard manure, some leaf mold, some seaweed, anything that on cardboard or, or bits of paper with moons on it is something that you can put in again. Then we're going exactly the same method with the same ratio, roughly a foot of each of these. So a foot of straw, a foot, and God, people like with a measuring stick and the whole lot. A measuring instrument that you will never, ever forget. Hopefully the listeners this podcast have certainly two limbs, two legs, um, or, or even a foot, a foot. That's roughly, that's rough science, okay? We're growing, we're not, no, certainly educated, science. we're not, we're not educated, it's more certainly we're not exact scientists looking for pinpoint measurements. We are looking for roughly a foot of each material, okay? That is a ratio of 50 to 50, which most certainly helps break down and make it into a usable compost so you can go from bay one, and this is the next step into bay two. Why is that? When you fill up all the way to the top with your brown material a foot, your green material a foot, your brown material a foot, your green material a foot, and then you're up to the top and copping it off with some manure. Okay, typically mix up the manures again, the advantage of more beneficial nutrients from either chicken, horse, or well, certainly Dexter comes to mind just because they're out in the field here or near recording a podcast or any animal that ruminant. Um, remains that you can get your hands on okay from an unintensified farm okay so even as an organic registered uh, grower it's something that 
you don't have to have from an organic farm because that isn't sustainable for the growers throughout Ireland, America and or Europe that are looking to grow chemical free. There isn't enough organic producers of dung, so it has to be um, gotten wherever possible. So then once we have bay one done, we just turn it over into bay number two. Once we have it into bay number two, why do we do that? Because, okay, it needs air. And it's great to have the pallets, most certainly, yes, pallets can be turned from one bay to the second bay. Then that breaks down again. So let's say it was tipped to the top of their pallets. Then it's gone into bay number two, turned and tossed with a fork. Okay, great for the aeration. And those beneficial microorganisms need, most certainly, that air to be active. They need to breathe. Just like us, they will not survive. And depending on what country you're currently in, the top of these two pallets, and if you want to do a third bay, is recommended by myself to put a roof on it, a lean-to roof. Don't be going apex, fancy Nancy. I want you to really just put a bank of timber, square, square rectangular, in fact, then put a, a lot of fellet, a lot of fellet? <laughs> More green tea or coffee needed. <laughs> down the line. Uh, so more a lean to roof with the likes of lash and a felt on top of that so the water will run off okay this is a tip my father always told me it's easy to add more water to whatever you're doing Coleman it's not as easy to take it out so that is the advantage especially in Ireland it rains a nice bit so you can literally gain the advantage of most certainly then watering if needs be but the materials that you're putting in will have a high percentage of water, just the grass clippings and that leafy material, such as a kale, the leaves or the woody material from that, or your cabbage leaves or the spinach or any of the cuttings, peelings of your carrots that go inevitably into your compost. Tips with that, then the final turn is into bay number three. That is the full New Zealand box scheme method that I do recommend. You don't have to add any fancy stuff to it. It is simply using what is left for us from nature that you can even put in weeds, if I didn't mention that already. Weeds, again, they are full of vitamins and minerals and it's something that I use for applying two different types of, most certainly, liquid fertilizers, nettles, great one, stinging nettle. You have comfrey, another one. You can go within and on top of that and applying the likes of garlic. Okay, wild garlic is in season right now for a small number of uh, I'm going to say weeks, in on top of that, then you get garlic cloves. You crush them, steep them with garlic. That is really high nitrogen and most certainly the finest then of liquid fertilizer that you can apply to your plants to give that a little bit of a boost in the growing season. Right, That is what I recommend for the likes of composting. You cannot get a better system and you can either build your own high tech if you're handy. As I said, the basic way you can most certainly do that is the system and that is a no-brainer for everybody who's looking to maximize and utilize the materials that they have on their site okay so that's the compost question in and on going on to the likes of fruit trees and oh, certainly the likes of the sizes and recommendations for pruning so we are coming out of the likes of the season for planting trees but if you do currently have trees, when should you prune them? We'll touch on that first. So pruning of trees typically is done in the dormant season. Okay, that's when the leaves are not on the plant. So I would recommend you to mostly hold off until next year. So we're in 2023, if you're listening to this as of this month, today. But 
if you listen to a later stage, just wait until it's winter. So I typically recommend people to wait till January. January is when I recommend it. Okay, there's other people that might say and recommend other certain times of the year that you can prune, such as October, November, even December. But straight up, it's something that is leaving wounds open throughout the winter, the wet, the cold months, and that's leaving it open, supposed to susceptible to more pests and diseases, which I don't recommend. Okay, and other people would recommend other things. Okay, this is what I am most certainly pointing out is an observation that I've made through a lot of pruning throughout my uh, career so far. <laughs> career. I love the way that's going to sound. Oh man, how's your career been going? My career's been going quite well. I've been doing a lot of pruning, a lot of growing, a lot of nutrition talks and health and helping people to lose weight in a healthy way. That's, that's what I've been doing. I've interviewed myself in my own podcast. <laughs> this is too funny. So, right, that is tip for pruning. Wait till the, certainly the classic winter months to do your heavy pruning. There is a summer pruning that you can do, which is something that you inevitably just give it a little bit of shape, especially if you're training at Espalia. What is Espalia? Up against the south-facing wall. I have trained numerous different trees up against the south-facing wall. And I love not only the way they look, but also the way they produce fruit in a straight line. Espalia is literally just a fancy name for training. Then you can either put them, most certainly, horizontal, parallel, horizontally. God gotten the word so horizontal is mostly just left and right okay those encourage the likes of the tree to change its hormones to produce more fruits so that's the main advantage of training them uh, left and right in on top of that it prevents the likes of more leafy production so if you have a tree that grows vertically okay just straight up which a lot of trees can do because they're trying to stretch far the light but inevitably you will always maximize the potential of you you and most certainly your trees potential when you most certainly train it in a specific way my god there are so many similarities between growing and your health so yes we will train the trees left and right putting up against the south facing wall to gain advantage of that heat that is most certainly retained at night giving off a little bit of even a one degree increase in temperatures will help you to have a more healthier tree yes because trees love a little bit of heat especially at night and in on top of that, it will also protect the flowers that may be uh, come into damage with the likes of frosts. And this is something that you can do, yeah, that I do recommend if you're at home and have a wall that you would like delicious fruits, whether it's pears, whether it's plums, whether it's most certainly cherries. You can also do the apples simply up against a wall. Beautiful stuff. Apples are natural. Rebiotics good for the gut health. They're high in vitamin C. They're simple. They're a single ingredient food. Chop them up. Put them in, you put them in a stir fries. Remember that. Just talking to someone there online, training with them. And um, I send them on images of a private group and one to one. I would send them on images of the likes of foods they would have on a regular basis. Yeah, apples are a no brainer. And what do you do then when they're not in season? You can really freeze a full apple. You don't have to wrap it in anything. Jars, nope. Grab the apple, pop them in the freezer. They're in, they're done. And just take them out and put them in to your meals. And actually, as well as that, having them in a smoothie is really putting ice cubes in it. So your frozen apple, boom, into your smoothie maker, blitz it up with all different greens. Let's go with spinach. Neptura spinach is in season right now. My God, my mouth waters. Can't wait for breakfast. And uh, 
yeah, straight away, then you're adding in maybe a high protein yogurt, you're adding in some hemp seeds, maybe some cacao, maybe some maca, and this is a dream start to your day. Or a, most certainly a classic one because it's something that you can go and bring with you on the go in the car. Boom. There's your healthy meal. And if you wanted to make it even, I suppose, a more balanced meal, you have carbohydrates such as oats will go in there and it's done. There we go. Can't go wrong. Uh, and we'll touch on treated sizes and pruning sizes. Very important point. So what sizes do I recommend? Okay, there are different sizes of trees. There's M9, M26, there's MM106, the main ones that we typically see. Yeah. But to people, that means absolutely nothing. And I don't know why they made us learn that in college. It was crazy. So I always bring it back to the basics. Because I'm a simple man. I learn simply. And I simply pass it on to other people. So M9, M26, M106. Main differences there is it goes up in sizes. M9 is the smallest. M26 is the medium. MM106 is the large one. So I recommend to people where you have children of your own, where you have nieces, you have nephews, it's something that when they're growing up, they can harvest their own fruits from the tree. So I recommend M9 for people living in a house. You can even grow these in a pot. Okay, and if you're thinking of moving, you bring it with you. Down a huge tree, they grow no more than 10, 12 feet max. All right, And if you are thinking of doing the pruning and you're unsure of it, key tip is don't prune it. You'll prune off all the flowers. I was... I'm allowed to say this. I was teaching someone there very recently in a grow your own course. They said, Call my life retreat doesn't really go that well. And I was like, Yeah, what are you doing to it? I'm adding, adding the manure. Yeah, I'm adding the compost. I'm doing uh, what you told me. I sprayed it with the garlic at certain times of the year. Okay, amazing. And the else you do? Yeah, I'm giving it a good pruning there uh, at the, in the dormant season. What kind of pruning are you doing? Yeah, um, I'm trying to keep it tight. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Good, tidy hair, like a little bob. Sort it all out. Trim, trim, trim. Show me a photograph. I prune it to death. They're literally taking all the flowers off each and every year and they're unsure. And if you're unsure, don't do it. Because every flower turns into a fruit. Remember that key fact. Okay. Trees will produce fruit naturally if you leave them. That's it. But we're trying to change so many different things. We're trying to give it a haircut. Trying to turn it into a bonsai. Oh my goodness, but don't do it. Do what I tell you. <laughs> or else you'll have a hell of a lot less fruit than you most certainly would otherwise have. So, touching on that point, we go on to the likes of berry bushes, red currants. Here we go. So, the ones that I recommend to people, if you don't currently have these in your garden, if you're not, you don't have them, I recommend. Okay. You can have an abundance of black currants, red currants. They are such an easy thing. And if you don't have them right now, in the dormant season, again, we are pruning a tree, a bush, sorry, and literally sticking it in the ground and it will give you fruit. That's how easy it is to propagate a red currant and a black currant. So, so easy. So literally, as I prune mine this year again in the dormant season, just stuck them into the grass, literally meters away from the other ones. And in three years, boom, maybe even two years, there'll be fruits on them bad boys. It's such a no-brainer. You get the advantage of high antioxidants, delicious nature's candies, fruits from the finest goodies. All right, so gooseberries, something that people actually don't consume enough of. We actually, in my home house, would have had gooseberries growing up. It wasn't something that was ever really consumed. It was just like, bleh, they're, they're a bit bitter. But you can get delicious red varieties. And these red Himalayan from English fruit nurseries based down in Wexford. They never stretch your door. 
they're sending me the money now in abundance. <laughs> they're good lads. And I, I've bought fruit trees and fruit bushes after them every year um, since uh, I started growing for people presents. And it's a great present for somebody. It's a healthy present. Bush, a tree. Jesus. And it's amazing. And with the likes of myself and going around to schools now. So if anyone is a teacher or would like me to come to visit their school, will certainly contact me or get their principal to ring me and uh, or send me a private message on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or TikTok because it's one of my goals to get to as many schools as I possibly can and uh, get them having at least one tree for each class, roughly. A tree costs around 20 euro. Like, and that is just a no-brainer for every school. It'll be there for 50 and 60, maybe 70 years, each one of those trees. Amazing. Cannot get enough of it. And uh, yeah, I love doing it. So more of those. Cheers. So that is the likes of the bushes. Other ones that people often want to know more about. Blueberry bushes. The thing is, they need acidic soil. So you need to, ericaceous soil, so you need to most certainly either get and buy that compost and put it in a pot and or dig out a raised bed area or bed, not be raised bed, a bedded area and apply the compost to that. Okay, that is something that if you don't do, you put it into just any old soil at all, it will not thrive, it will not flower, and it will not fruit for you. That's the key point. Goji berries must be grown in the likes of a glass house or a polytunnel. I literally have grown my first as of last year, got it from cuttings, no more than from my man Seamus Murphy, based on a cop. Seamus, you're listening, man, made a shout out. They're looking strong right now. They do not like the shade, that's for sure, because I got in total, I think. Four from my good man Seamus. And that's it, literally. These are just gifts you can give to people. Presents. And I love that. The gift of food is a gift for life. So that's one of those things to remember. And uh, I do love, certainly, the goji berries. Fresh goji berries, lads. They're like vanilla flavor they were nearly like. And that's the first time I ever tasted it myself. Oh my God, they're delicious. Um, and I do recommend. I do certainly recommend. So touching on the like set of berries again, we have the red currants and the black currants and the goji berries and the gooseberries. What happens to fruit that we typically leave outside in our garden? Who eats them? I'd have to say we eat every one of them, but the birds do. Okay, I get up early, but the birds get up even earlier. I tell you, they wake me up some mornings, <laughs> and I wake up and I jump over the fence and I hop out and see the stories with the bushes. Yeah. And they are coming in, going from the green, the pink, then to the red. And if you don't go out there and start picking them bad boys, the birds will be in and all over them. So you need to net them. You need to put up a system that you most certainly are able to either walk underneath, which either take example of an old polytunnel without the plastic and put a netting over that. Or you can just get the basic small little handy bushes in and near local garden centres. And when the time of fruiting, make sure you cover your bushes and fruit because they will do a job on them at a number that you do not want to have because it's a tough, tough scene and going out there and seeing all your lovely berries being consumed by the birds, the blackbirds, the devil. Yep, so those are the classic berry bushes, lads. So again, get them, get growing. They're delicious. Okay, Mark from Nace, who we got next one? We got tips for growing tomatoes of the string line. I love this. This is going to maximize the benefits of your growing space, vertical growing. Other fruits and vegetables that grow up a string line would be French climbing beans. Amazing crop. Cobra is the variety, but we'll go on to the tomatoes with Mark's question. How do you do it? 
took the likes of the, I'm sorry, digging a hole and tucking the string underneath the plant is the biggest tip of the day. Why? Because most people end up tying the likes of a string around the neck of a tomato plant, okay? And what ends up happening is tomato plant swells and swells and it's opening up wounds. When you open up wounds, again, you're much more likely to have a crop that's not thriving and you don't want to have your plant struggling, okay? The point is when you do this, the roots will anchor that plant into the ground, don't even have to tie it. And as it grows taller, you're just winding the tomato plant around and around and around till it reaches the maximum height in the likes of your glasshouse and or polyton. They're an amazing crop. Literally, they're a natural mood improver tomatoes. Lycopene is the winner, able to protect your skin throughout the summer months. Yes, we're coming up and into summer. Tastes like salmon. Is that George Israel? Could be. It's a good song. So, touching on that, that is a no brainer. Get your vertical growing with your string. And if you don't have string and you've missed the opportunity, you've already planted them. Tip number two with a different type of string wire. Okay. The copper wire that typically comes from the skips. Electricians have it in abundance, they're throwing it out. Bring your local electrician and ask them for a reel of wire that they've literally just chased a couple of different walls and there's bits left over. That will do you. You don't even need that much. Okay, why is that an advantage to use that? It's soft, it's pliable, and most certainly you can hook it around and then open it loosely as the tree, or as the tree, as the tomato plant most certainly grows. And again, you're just lightly training it up reach so it can reach its full potential to the top of your glasshouse of polyton. And that is the tip of the day. And with that, you also have to remove those side shoots as you grow as it as the tomato plant grows and if you guys don't know about that again it's something that some people are able to see i'm dyslexic and would see things visually there's three things on a tomato plant okay you have the leaflet you have the side shoot okay and then you have like i said the flowers do not remove the flowers you have the every time you have a leaflet typically in the middle of that before the main leader you have the side shoot. You remove that. You turn it one way, you turn it the other, cracks one, cracks the other, and most certainly you have it removed. That is essential for maximizing, again, the fruits and the potential of your tree because, okay, if you leave all those side shoots on, it'll grow wild, and that's typically in its nature. Tomatoes are wild. <laughs> Tomatoes are wild, and it's something that they need to be tamed, either from typically the jungle, South America, the hail from so and i want you to remember that that's just a simple thing you're like removing the side shoots don't take off the flowers don't take off the leader and again if you're unsure send me a message send me a message and i literally will point out highlight circle bang 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 that's how you do it but i'll also be doing different events and grow your own around the country so the next one that will most certainly be is based down in cork in sherwood farm that is on the 4th of June, it's a Saturday. It's a bank holiday weekend. So get your ass down there. And at different events, the retreats, we have polytunnels and we have the advantage of, okay, and a full weekend of healthy activities with foods. That is an absolute cracker. Next one that I do have on the schedule, I think after May, May the 19th was the last one. So next one is August. Yeah. And again, there's only limited spaces. So get your hands, get your hands up for New York and get your ass down there. So 
Last one we're going into is question is from Audrey Burroughs uh, from Cork. Do you need a heated mat to grow melons? Melons, amazing, amazing crop. Okay, they do again need to be grown in the likes of a glass house or a polytunnel. They do love the heat. Again, starting to sow them in April if you haven't sown them already and get a you might be able to get your hand on a plant from somebody that has them or is selling them. But you don't get a whole lot of bang for your buck with a melon, but they are delicious. Oh my God. The pet is the variety that I do recommend. Lovely. Absolutely gorgeous. Smell of it. That's the tip. When do you, how do you know when to harvest? We'll touch on for the harvest. Okay, how do you know when to harvest them? Smell. The scent of them is just gorgeous. You'll know. You know when you smell a ripe one. <clears throat> so, do you need a heated mat? You don't necessarily need a heated mat, but it's a major advantage. If you don't have a heated mat, a warm windowsill will most certainly do. So, get every opportunity, get, treat yourself to a heated mat. And things that also do love a bit of heat from underneath throughout the night, because the daytime temperatures are fine. It's in the evening that it is something that people are struggling with when they leave them outside. And that's another thing, don't put your tomatoes out too early because do not like the cold and the underside leaves indication that they're cold if they're lightly blue or purple have a look for it check it out and uh yeah you don't necessarily need it <clears throat> and roughly the duration for germination for a melon seed would most certainly be in the region of 10 15 days typically okay so if they haven't germinated after that get heat into them seeds and that is most certainly the classic I'm going to say questions on the Come Your Own podcast Q&A with Woman Bauer. Yes, that's me. So, hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you most certainly did, you'd be doing a massive favour if you literally shared it on your social media and just tagged me. Um, that just literally gets this podcast out to more people that I otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity to. Um, and yeah, I just really want to say thanks for listening. Love all the questions. Keeping it positive. Keeping it healthy. Keeping it active because that's exactly what growing is. The best foods you can possibly get your hands on are local, are fresh, and organic. And what's literally better than literally growing your own? Okay. Yeah. You stay tuned. You stay classy. And keep it organic. You're listening to Coleman Power on the Organic Fitness Podcast.